Good morning, Woodville. Pastor Kimberly here. I just wanted to say Happy Easter from my home to yours. We also want to thank you for your ongoing financial support during these difficult times. Maybe you're wondering how to give, whether it be one time or if you want to set up pre-authorized giving. You can find out all that information on our church website, woodvale.ca. If you have other questions or concerns about how to give and different ways to give, please contact our church office. Although no one is at the office, all calls are being directed to our administration team at home. They're here to serve you during these difficult times. Well, I don't know if you are in your Easter best today or if you're in your PJs, but I do know we have a big reason to celebrate this Easter Sunday. And I know that you'll be blessed as Pastor Mark shares God's word with us today. Good morning, Woodville. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, today I greet you from our home to your home. And I wanna give a huge shout out welcome to all of our guests that have joined us from the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even globally around the world. Well, today for a few moments, I wanna share with you an Easter message that I've entitled, The Greatest Comeback Ever. Everybody loves a good comeback story. I think it was 1976 that the first Rocky movie came out. Do you remember Rocky Balboa played by Sylvester Stallone? It's like he's out and down, but the boxer came back and Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, and, and Rocky five. Some of you have even watched the movie Soul Surfer, the true story of Bethany Hamilton. She was a surfer and she was attacked by a shark and the shark bit off the entire arm and she had to relearn how to surf. And she went on to win awards. She, she came back from that defeat and she was able to win many victories. Well, I was thinking about my comeback story. It's a sports story. I like to tell you it was in hockey or baseball or football, but it was actually in handball. If you ever played handball, you get this little ball that's like a squash ball or a racquetball and you, you bang it against the wall. I'm 11 years of age. I'm in grade six and I'm a part of the grade six, seven and eight handball league, intramural handball league. I was terrible. I kept losing game after game. Occasionally I would win a game. I'm at the bottom of the pile in the basement playing horrible until one day it was my turning point. I'm playing the game and I realized that I was a little bit ambidextrous and I could now play with both hands. And so I'm banging the ball against the wall and using both hands and I won the game. And then I won my next game. And before long, I'm in the finals. And before long, I won the entire handball tournament between the grade six, sevens, and eights. And I'm this scrawny little grade six player. It's my comeback story. Well, my question for you today is, what was the greatest comeback story of all history? Well, I found the answer, and the answer is actually found in Sports Illustrated magazine way back 2001, November the 12th. You can Google it. It's called Bouncing Back Big Time. That's what it said on the magazine. And the article was the 10 biggest comebacks of all time. Well, mentioned in that list was, was Michael Jordan. Mentioned in that list was Elvis Presley. Mentioned in that list was Harry Truman. Even mentioned in that list was a comeback of humanity of the Black Plague of the 14th century. 
But you know what was number one? The greatest comeback of all history, according to Sports Illustrated magazine, let me read it, Jesus Christ, A.D. 33, stuns Romans and defies critics by his resurrection from the grave. Please note, this was the truth that the greatest comeback of all history was the death. That's what Easter is all about. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and verse 4, Paul said, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The greatest comeback ever was Jesus died and he was raised to life. So what does that mean? to you and I today. I think Paul gives us a window on this in a prayer that he prayed in Ephesians 1, verse 18, 19, and 20. Let me read this to you. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same and mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. You see, friends, the same power that God the Father exerted when he raised Jesus to life is the same power that can turn your setback into a comeback. And my prayer for every one of you today is that you would have a a personal comeback Could it be that your setback is a setup for God's great comeback? Well, for a few moments this morning, I want to take you back in the pages of the Bible to John chapter 20. And I want to take you to that first Easter Sunday. And I want to look at the Easter story through the lens of a lady named Mary Magdalene. You see, every comeback story has three things that are in common. Every great comeback story has three things that are in common. And in John chapter 20, it starts with with great questions and then it ends with great exclamation that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. But in John chapter 20, we also see the three commonalities, the three similarities of every great comeback story. What are they? Number one, the moment when you begin to think that it's over. The moment when you think it's all over. And maybe your setback is a physical setback and the the doctor has called you up lately and said there's disease in your body and there's no hope, that's a setback. Maybe your boss has called you in or emailed you and said, due to the corona crisis, we're gonna have to lay you off. There's a financial setback. Maybe your setback is relational and it feels like your marriage is on the rocks and it's over. There's a setback. Maybe there's an emotional setback or a personal setback. I think there's many of you watching today that you're living your life in the place called setback. Let me take you to John chapter 20, verse 1 to 11. It's early. This is verse 1 on the first day of the week and it's still dark. And Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. It's, it's early. It's the first day of the week. 
and it's still dark. It's somewhere in that first watch between three and six in the morning that Mary Magdalene gets up and goes to the tomb. You see, in the Jewish custom for three days, people would go to the tomb and, and take care of the body and make sure the burial spices were, were taken care of and the body was properly prepared. Mary Magdalene was one day set free from demons by Jesus, and she became a devout follower of Jesus. And she was there, according to John chapter 19, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, but on that day, hope died. And on that day, he was taken off the cross and put in the grave. And now it's the third day and she's coming and she feels like it's all over. And she gets to the tomb and the stone is rolled away. The stone is cast away. Please note this. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away to let the disciples into the tomb. Look at verse two. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, which is John, the one that Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. You see, when she came to that tomb and the stone was rolled away and she saw the empty tomb, the, the empty tomb to her did not represent a risen savior. The empty tomb represented to her that Jesus was dead and that someone had stolen the body. I mean, to Mary Magdalene, she had believed a lie that Jesus was dead and the Romans had stolen his body. Some of you today, you're believing a lie of the enemy that it's, that it's over, that it's finished, that your life circumstance will never change. You see, Reinhard Bonnke said it the best, when you bury a lie, it will die. But when you bury the truth, he will be raised to life. And so my friend, she comes running to Simon Peter. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Look at verse three and four. So Peter and the other disciple, that's John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's interesting that John wrote this and John wrote this 50 years after it happened, and he just wanted us to know that he was a little quicker than Simon Peter to get to the tomb. Look at verse five. It says that John, he bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but, but he didn't go in. And the Greek word for look means he, he glanced. He just took a casual look, but he didn't go in. And some of you today, this is your first time watching a church service and you've glanced at Christianity, but you're afraid to come into a church and you're, you're afraid to check out this Christianity thing. You're like John, you're just glancing at it. Look at verse six, then Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb and it says he saw the strips of linen lying there in verse seven, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. It says he saw this. It's a different Greek word. It's not a Greek word that means to glance. It's a Greek word that means to gaze. And from that Greek word, we get the English word theory. I mean, he comes to a conclusion. He makes a theory. He scrutinizes it. He analyzes. And some of you, when it comes to Christianity, you've been analyzing and checking out different religions, including Christianity. Look at verse eight. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, when he reached the tomb first, he went inside and he saw and he believed. It's a different Greek word. It doesn't mean glance. It doesn't mean gaze. It means he gets it. The first one on that first Easter Sunday to actually believe the reason why the tomb was empty, that Jesus had been raised to life was John. 
Verse 9 says they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse 10, so those disciples went back to where they were staying. But look at verse 11. Mary, this is Mary Magdalene. She stood outside the tomb and she's crying. She was there when Jesus died. She saw uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea take his body down and, and put him in the grave. And she waited all that Saturday on the Sabbath. And, and she showed up at the tomb uh, early on that first Easter morning. And, and then she went and got John and Peter. And then she came back and they left and went home. And she's standing at the tomb crying and weeping because in her mind it was, it was all over. It was all over. It was finished. You see, that first moment of any great comeback is that moment when you think it's all over and your setback will never change. And there's some of you today, that's where you're at. It's because you're believing the lie. Because you're believing the lie that the enemy is throwing at you. Because you're like Mary, you're believing the lie that Jesus is dead and his body is stolen. You're believing the lie. But then there's, there's number two. The second commonality of every comeback story is the moment when you, you start to believe, when you dare to believe that it will change. It was 2013, seven years ago, I'm with my son in his apartment, in his condo, watching a playoff hockey game between his team, the, Munch, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and my hockey team, the Boston Bruins. It's game seven. Boston had won the first three games. Toronto had won It's now game seven. And we're now in the third period. And Toronto was up four to one. And I'm falling apart. My team's about to lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Finally, they got a goal midway through. It's now 4-2. And now it's a minute and a half left in the game. And we're about to lose. But then all of a sudden, Boston scored a goal. And then another goal. They tied the game. And then they go into overtime. And they win. Well, one of the Boston Bruin hockey players that I have met, I asked him one day, what was it like sitting on the bench down four to two with a minute and a half left? What, what turned it? What changed it? He said, Mark, we looked at each other and said, we cannot lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We got to get out there and do something. They started to believe. <laughs> they started to believe that they could beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, let me come to verse 11, down to verse 16. Verse 11, Mary Magdalene, as she wept in the midst of her tears, she bent over to look into the tomb. And it says in verse 12, she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, and one at the head and one at the foot. And look at verse 13. They, the angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? You know, the big debate is, are angels male or are angels female? I'm just wondering if they're male because what I see in verse 13, a male asked her, woman, why are you crying? I think only, only a male would ask a female, why are you crying? <laughs> and then she said to them, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they put him. Notice those are the same words that she said to Simon Peter and to John. The lie is still in her head. She's still believing the lie that Jesus is dead and that the Romans have stolen the body. Look at verse 14 at this. She turned around. She turns around and she sees Jesus standing there. There's Jesus standing there. And she didn't even realize it was Jesus. 
Have you ever wondered why she didn't recognize Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because her focus was not on a risen Savior. Her focus was on a lie that the tomb was empty because the dead body of Jesus was stolen. And there's some of you today, you're still focusing on the lie. You're still believing your setback will never change. You're still believing that, that God won't heal your body. You're still believing that your marriage will never work. You're still believing that, that your situation will not change. And you're just like Mary Magdalene believing the lie. Maybe it's time to bury the lie and let the lie die and turn around and look at the truth called Jesus and know that he is risen and he can turn your setback into a comeback. But she turned around and looked at Jesus and didn't recognize him because she was focusing on the lie. Look at verse 15. Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? You see, Jesus cares about what you're walking through more than you could ever imagine. And then he says, who is it you were looking for? Not what are you looking for, who are you looking for? Because you see, the answer to your setback is not a place, is not a thing. It is a person and his name is Jesus. Who are you looking for? Well, she thought that he was the gardener. Look at verse 15, she got confused. She didn't recognize Jesus. She thought he was the garden. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. <laughs> she still didn't know it was Jesus. And then in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned towards him. Please don't miss it. She turned towards him. You know what that teaches me? I mean, when Jesus was talking to her early, or they were looking face to face because she turned around and looked at Jesus and she didn't recognize him, but then her, then she turned away from Jesus because she didn't know it was Jesus, and she turned back and kept staring at the empty tomb. When she was looking at Jesus, she begins to look back at the empty tomb. Some of you, you keep turning your back on Jesus, and you keep looking at the lie of the empty tomb because to her, the empty tomb, don't forget it, didn't represent Jesus was alive. The empty tomb to her represented Jesus was dead and his body was stolen. And so Jesus said, Mary, and it says in verse 16, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means my teacher. And the moment that Mary started to believe is when Jesus personally spoke her name. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is speaking your name today. And he wants you to believe that he can turn your setback into a comeback. Because I believe that your setback is a setup for God's comeback. Well, the third moment, the third commonality is the moment when the celebration begins. Oh, it's party time. I mean, I'm in grade six and handball, ambidextrous mark, and I become the hero of handball. I couldn't believe I won. All my friends are gathered around me and we're jumping. I won, I won, I'm the hero of handball. That's my great claim to fame. And back when the Boston Bruins beat, beat the Toronto Maple Leafs seven years ago, wow. I was in shock and I looked at my son. I said, I'm not going to rub it in because I know I'm going to go home and your mother's going to say to me, I hope that you don't didn't rub that into your son. And that's exactly what Evelyn said to me. But the celebration, 
I mean, now when Mary realized that Jesus is alive, look at verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me. Jesus didn't say, don't touch me. I mean, in the next chapter, he told Thomas to reach out and touch him. But, but she was clinging to him. Just picture Mary clinging to Jesus. You're alive, you're alive, you're alive. And Jesus says, you can't keep holding on to me. Do not keep on holding on to me. He said, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. 40 days later, Jesus ascended to the Father. But for 40 days, he had purpose to do. And he made these resurrection appearances with purpose. One day he showed up to Thomas in an upper room and he removed the doubts in Thomas. Another time he showed up to the disciples on a seashore and he restored Peter who had denied him three times for 40 days. Jesus had purpose. And he said to Mary, you got to let go of me. I've got things I need to do. And so do you. Look at verse 17. He said, go instead to my brothers. Go instead to my brothers, not disciples. He calls them brothers. Isn't it great? We're brothers and sisters in Christ and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Look at verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he, all that he had said to her. You know, my friends, for some of you today, you're still staring at an empty tomb. And for you, the empty tomb represents a lie that Jesus is dead and that his body is stolen. And you're not recognizing Jesus in the middle of this corona crisis. And you're having a hard time to see the hand of God in the midst of all that you're walking through. All you can see is your setback. But I've got a word for you today. I want you to give your setback to God. Let him take your setback and let him make it into a great comeback. I want to encourage you today to take the lie and bury the lie and the lie will die. But when you bury the truth, Jesus, he will be raised from death to life. Learn to recognize Jesus in the midst of the crisis. I want to share with you a story and I've got permission to share this. A lady in our church named Carolyn Carolyn is one of the senior administrators of the seniors residence in Elmont that's been on the news because of the outbreak of COVID there and a number of people have died. Carolyn has a comeback story because a couple of years ago she was diagnosed with cancer, a large tumor behind her, her, her nostril. And we prayed for her and she went through surgery and chemo and radiation and she's doing amazingly well. But now she's the senior administrator of a senior's residence in the middle of a COVID outbreak and it's been, it's, been, it's been busy. And you've seen it on the news, but the news media won't tell you what I'm about to share with you because she has seen the Lord in the midst of the crisis a few nights ago. This is a true story. Local pastors in Elmont called their congregants and before long, 50 to 60 believers from the different churches in Elmont showed up at that senior's residence and made a circle around that home. Oh, don't worry. They were socially distanced well. They were far apart. And they reached out their hands and they began to pray, pray for the residents and the workers. And the pastors got on their cell phone and called Carolyn. And Carolyn put her cell phone to the speakerphone. And residents and workers heard ministers in Elmont praying for them for protection. And they were looking out the window, seeing these Christians praying for them. My goodness, she has seen the Lord in the midst of her crisis. Thursday morning, I called her and I didn't realize what she was gonna ask me to do. I just called her to ask her how she is doing. And she said, Pastor, would you do something? I said, what is it, Carolyn? 
She said, all the residents are about to eat their breakfast. It's time for morning prayer. Would you pray for the workers and the residents? And I'm on my cell phone. And she put her cell phone to the speaker. And every resident and every worker in that home heard me leading in prayer for God's protection and God's strength. You see, my friends, it might feel like a huge setback right now. But I want you to give your setback to Jesus. And you watch how Jesus can turn your setback into a great comeback. I think it's time to bury the lie and let the lie die and believe the truth that Jesus is alive. It's not over. It's time to start believing. Let's celebrate now what the Lord is doing. Somebody in your home shout aloud, amen. Well, friends, we've talked about the greatest comeback of history. But for a moment, I want to talk to you about the greatest comeback that is yet to come. There's a comeback that is so great and it's yet to come and it's talked about in the Bible. Someday Jesus is coming back for his church. I don't know when. Many people are asking me, where are we at in the prophetic calendar? I don't know, but I know Jesus could come back at any moment. He could come back today on this Easter Sunday. The trumpet of God could sound and the dead in Christ could rise first. And those that are alive and remain can be caught up to be with the Lord forever. Someday, someday, and I believe it's soon, Jesus is coming back for his church. And my question for you, are you ready for this great comeback? that is coming, I believe, soon. Are you ready? Have you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? Uh, uh, do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Uh, I, I speak to you today in the city of Ottawa, across Canada and around the world. I'm not asking you, have you glanced at Christianity? I'm not asking you, have you gazed at Christianity? I'm asking you, have you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? Some of you today are thinking, I think I'm going to heaven. Some of you are thinking, I hope I go to heaven. I don't want you to think or hope that you're going to heaven. I want you to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. If today was the day that Jesus came back, or if today was the day that you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Christianity is not this religion. It's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. I'm the life 2,000 years ago. Truth called Jesus was buried on Good Friday but on that first Easter Sunday up from the grave, he arose. The way to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life or maybe you've done it one time, but you turn your back on God and you wanna settle it on this Easter Sunday. You don't wanna just glance, you don't wanna just gaze, you wanna get it, you wanna receive it. And I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. If you would like to ask Jesus into your life, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today I make my peace with you. Today I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. Today I receive you in my life. I have decided to follow Jesus. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that there's literally hundreds of people across the city, 
across this nation and around the world that right now have joined me in this prayer and you've made Jesus the center of your life. I wanna tell you, you've made the best decision of your life. I want you to look at your screen. You'll see a place where you can indicate that you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life. You can there reach out to us and we will reach out back to you. And we're gonna help you in your new faith journey with Jesus. And if you're living in Ottawa and you don't have a life-giving, Bible-believing church that you attend, we'd love for you to join us in the journey. Join us online. Let us help you in this journey. And when we get back to worshiping on site, you can come and be a part of the church family there. We'd love to have you. But if you live outside of the Ottawa area, another part of Ontario or Canada around the world, and you're looking for a life-giving Bible-believing church, contact us and we will help you find a great church to attend. Well, friends, the greatest comeback story ever is that Jesus died and he was raised to life. And the same power that raised Christ to life can turn your setback into a comeback. And I just want to remind you today that your setback could very well be a setup for the great comeback. Let God take your setback and make it a comeback. I want to pray for you today. I know there's some of you today, your setback is physical. For some of you, it's emotional. For some of you, it's spiritual. For some of you, it's personal. For some of you, it's relational. And I want to pray for you today. So Father God, I pray for everyone that is watching this service today. There are many today that they need a comeback because they're in the place called setback. I pray that you would heal sick bodies. I pray for those that are, are walking through the COVID symptoms, for those that are having a tough time breathing. I pray that you would heal them in the name of the Lord. I pray for miracle in families and marriages, miracle in finances. I pray for personal victories and personal miracles in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would cover that home in Elmont. I pray you'd cover every senior's residence. We pray that this coronavirus curve would flatten we pray that, Lord, it would go down. We pray in the name of the Lord for better days ahead. Thank you, God, for everyone today. Would you turn our setbacks into a comeback? We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless each and every one of you. We love you so much. And I pray that this Easter Sunday would be joyful and celebration. And thank you, boys and girls, for patiently joining moms and dads. And I kind of hope they got a little chocolate for you because we couldn't have that Easter egg hunt on Saturday. But I want you to know we love you so much. Evelyn and I miss you. God bless you. Happy Easter. Now great the chasm that lay between us. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're so glad to have you with us on Easter Sunday. I hope you were encouraged by the worship and challenged by a message of hope. If today is your first Sunday with us, we would love to hear from you. We've got a connect card on our website, woodvale.ca. If you search that and submit it, we will get back to you. If you are not currently attending a church, we would love it if you checked out Woodvale some more. This coming Sunday at 9 and 11, Pastor Mark is starting a new sermon entitled Proximity. You won't want to miss it. 
Well, thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again next week. I hope you have a great Easter weekend. May God bless you and make his face shine upon you.